Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the NFL Strategy Show, Lineup Review Show, all of these shows put into one, but it is sponsored by NHA, of course. I'm Eric Lindquist. Excited to be talking some recap football with you all for week six. Looking forward to it, but the guy is going to be riding shotgun here, uh, helping me out with everything and, and telling you what he thinks about uh, how the slant went down, how some of the Millie stuff went down. Is Adam Shear. You just saw him uh, recapping NBA. NBA is coming back tomorrow. Are you looking forward to a sport we might be able to win at? Uh, I'm having a good football season. So oh, I'm just kidding. I was joking. Uh, it was more of just a referral to week six and the bloodbath that ensued. But shit, my money. How you doing, my dude? Doing, doing well. But yeah, uh, to your question, very, very, very excited. for <laughs> Yes, very, very excited as well. Uh, very much looking forward to those streets. Uh, I'll be doing the slate starter tonight with Rinpack. I mean, that is so crazy to be thinking that's a thing. Um, looking forward to it. But as we're getting going, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button and hit that notification bell. So, you know, in this and all the other content here at Awesome is going live. This is my first one of these. I did this uh, last week with Adam uh, or sorry, not with Adam, with Josh, where he was hosting. I'm going to be hosting, talking through a little bit of what we're looking at. We're looking at the chalkiest plays that exist on the slant, how they performed. We're going to compare some of the 150 maxers. Then we're going to go through what we thought were some of the best plays on the slate. But, you know, let's just get it started here. What did you think the keys to week six were? What do you really take away from what we just had go down? I think the key was just playing guys that I didn't play and not playing the guys that I did play. Uh, but no, I mean, it was it was a weird slate. Like, it was one of those slates where, you know, I'm sitting there at like three 30 and it's just like, I know I'm not, I'm getting my ass kicked, but I'm, it's, it's also like, I don't really know what I needed to do. Like I played Cooper. I, I was over the field on Cooper cup. Uh, I played a good amount of, of Henderson. I played a good amount of Stafford and, and uh, Burrow. It was just like the lineups didn't come together correctly. Like there, there were enough just important pieces that failed, whether that be Lamar Jackson, Kareem hunt, uh, um, just, you know, different, different pieces. So it was just a really, really weird slate. And I think that's reflected. You and I were kind of talking about it before the show, even when you look at so, uh, most 150 matchers just got obliterated yesterday, but even when you look at the ones that did well, their exposure, it, it's typically not that they like went drastically under the field on guys like Kareem hunt. Uh, they just happened to win with lineups that, you know, didn't have them. So it, it was just a really weird slate, I think. Yeah, well, let's get into it. So we got producer Jordan over there, uh, the best producer in the game named Jordan Klein for sure. No doubt about it. Uh, we're going to be covering the $9 slant here. We've got six players that we have pulled up. Of course, we were referring to Rickety, 150 maxer, took it down, number one up there, 217.42 points. Uh, let's just kind of go and start here at the top with his exposures because out of everybody that we have pulled up there, we have Rickety, we have the guy who finished uh, third, it's Baca 81 then, of course, we've got you, we've got Osmo, Rinpak, and Steve Buzzard to Colts. Uh, kind of looking at everybody's exposure, he had the most Kareem Hunt out of everybody. And you can obviously see Kareem Hunt, only 10.8 fantasy points. It was not a good situation to go way, way down there early in that game. I mean, Arizona just blew the doors off of Cleveland uh, early and often. Uh, what did you kind of think about Kareem Hunt and your exposure to him? Kareem Hunt, I thought, was a really, really interesting spot. Like, I... I was actually it made me feel a little bit better pulling up uh, everyone's exposures today and seeing that uh, none of these guys went under the field. You had Alex and Rinpak come in right, you know, at the field. But it was just one of those spots where I 
could make a case either way. Um, you know, you could certainly make the case there were a lot of really good running back plays yesterday, and there was a pretty good chance that a couple of those guys would end up beating Hunt. You could also make the case that, you know, Hunt just clearly projected the best out of that group. He's really good. You're going to get extra opportunities. Uh, so, and, you know, it seems like most 150 maxers went with the latter. So um, I, I don't think it's a situation where like, I don't necessarily look at that one and say, you know, if you were under on hunt, you got super lucky and it was, you know, a bad decision. Mm -hmm. Like I would have said about Alexander Madison a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think clearly it's reflected by the fact that most really good players uh, had more than the field that, you know, it was certainly reasonable to be overweight on hunt as well. Uh, it was just a situation where, um, you know, he's, he, he projected really well. He, uh, was going to get more opportunities. Like you said, the game got out of hand very quickly and then Hunt also got hurt uh, and left the game. So uh, it didn't work out, but I, I thought that was just kind of an interesting decision where I don't really think there was necessarily a right answer one way or the other. I have two kind of follow-up questions on this. First of all, so the news for Madison didn't come out until an hour and a half before the slate started last week that you were going to get uh, Cook inactive. It kind of set itself up to be an absolute smash for him as opposed to Kareem Hunt, who... You know, we get the news Friday that Nick Chubb is out. So the, the, the ownership for him kind of gets a little bit out of control. You know, I think you kind of feel the same way as I do, where Madison was still the better play than what Kareem Hunt was here. But obviously you're seeing a little bit more ownership. It's a different slate. It's a smaller slate as well. So I'm not sure there's a number of other factors that exist there. But going back around to Derrick Henry, who's somebody that I know that you've repeatedly been underweight to, is it a price thing at the running back position where you decide, Hey, with Kareem Hunt at 6,200 or Madison at 5,500, it's so much easier to jam those guys as opposed to Derrick Henry who has to win the position every single time. Yeah, I think so. You're just getting, when you get those 5,500 or $6,200 running backs, uh, it was the case for Madison. I think that slate, he had the second highest running back projection, just, you know, excluding salary just in, in terms yeah. of raw points um hunt was maybe the top projected guy this week i don't remember but uh if not the top one of the top uh guys so it's a situation where you're getting very very good value but also a top raw point projection whereas when you talk about somebody priced up whether that be mccaffrey henry cook whatever uh or cook at his normal price i should say um you're getting the, the top raw points but you know the the value in terms of points per dollar isn't is there so it's just gonna make it a little bit more difficult to get to them and that kind of related though, it also comes down to, you know, like obviously how many alternatives are there at the position? And that's why I thought the cook spot was at least more interesting to talk about more debatable this week than the Madison spot, because with Madison, he just, you know, I obviously don't remember who the options were on that slate anymore, but there just weren't as many to, you know, yesterday you had a bunch of value with Daryl Williams, with Herbert, with Hubbard, because you have all these, these starting running backs out, but then you also had, you know, the Jonathan Taylor, uh, Daryl Henderson, these guys priced right around Hunt where, you know, yeah, even if Hunt projects a little bit better, obviously Taylor is going to beat him a pretty high percentage of the time. Henderson is going to beat him a pretty high percentage of the time. So I think there was a lot more opportunity cost at the position yesterday, which, you know, again, I don't think it made it so Hunt was a bad play. Clearly I played 70%. Uh, most, <laughs> most 150 maxers played more than the field. I, I still thought he was a good play, but there was at least more of a conversation to be had, I think, than there was on the Madison slate just because of lack of alternatives on that one. Yeah, he was a big talking point for this slate. I thought we would kind of get that out of the way early. And I just thought it was fascinating that out of everybody that we're pulling up here, the guy who finished first is the guy who had the most cream hunt out of everybody else. Uh, fascinating stuff. Also fascinating. DJ Moore, his second highest owned player sitting up there, only put up 11.9, an absolute dud going up against this Minnesota defense. Uh, Sam, Sam Darnold just kind of didn't have it, I suppose, but 
DJ Moore, 56%. And then the big key to the entire slate for him, the, the separation that he had with this crazy amount of Adam Thielen and Kirk Cousins that he had here on this slate, 45.3% Cousins and 51.3% Thielen. And, you know, I look at it in hindsight, and this is kind of the game that you play on Monday morning going through this. Adam Thielen at 5,800 should be a price tag that got some more traction, I suppose, especially on a 10-game slate, fewer than we've had on some of these previous slates. Under 4% for a guy who is a touchdown red zone hog, even though his average average depth of target has been going down progressively week by week by week. But Kirk Cousins has been great. What do you kind of think about that play after the fact? I mean, it, it's obviously it was a high upside spot at low ownership. And strategy-wise, I just noted I, I've noticed, you know, before that he typically uh, uh, Ricky D typically ends up very, very heavy on a game or two. Um, obviously here it was Carolina and, and Minnesota. Um, but like, I, I think it makes sense here. Obviously I didn't do it, but Minnesota is always a pretty appealing team just because the, uh, the, the scoring is so concentrated. Uh, you have such a high percentage of their passing touchdowns going to Thielen, uh, and, and if not Thielen Jefferson, uh, who, you know, he didn't have as much of, but he was still way over the field. Uh, so I, I do think it's a team that it's, it's pretty appealing to do that. Just, you know, when Minnesota scores a lot of points, you're typically going to be on the right players because there's not that many of them that, that score. All right. And now to what I think was maybe the most frustrating part. If we just group this by ownership and you see the most, uh, the, the highest owned plays that exist there, you have Kareem Hunt sitting there at 40.9% in the slant. Ricky Seals Jones, 27.5%. It looks like rickety 3.3%, 18.7%. Uh, everybody is under, except for Rinpak, who decided to go 64.7% because 3K, obviously he was the cash game tight end. I think for a lot of people, it was him or Kelsey in any regard. And uh, I thought it was interesting, Rinpak running a ton of two tight ends uh, with Ricky Seals, Jones, and, and Travis Kelsey. Anytime you have over 50% of two tight ends, that's just kind of the way that that works out. But Ricky Seals, Jones, a, a tight end spot where you kind of want to almost be playing the field. I think that that's something going through some of your lineups that you've done in previous weeks as well, where you've gone under on some of these really cheap tight ends that end up being chalky. But what'd you kind of see out of that play from yesterday? Yeah. It's just a spot where, like you said, I typically end up being under the field on those, those guys. Um, Seals Jones clearly was one of the best tight end options. He projected very well for his salary. He had some upside too, just given his role in the Washington offense with Logan Thomas out, but in terms of raw points, he's just still not going to win all that often out of that group. And so with him getting as much ownership as he did, uh, it was a spot where, you know, I, I, I still used him, you know, I'm, I, I'm sure he was in, or I would think he was in lineups where, you know, maybe I had more contrarian stacks, you know, where I had like Denver stacks or something or, or stuff like that. Um, and then I, you know, probably didn't have him in, you know, Rams stacks and, and uh, Bengals stacks and, and things like that. So uh, it, it's just an example where, I was more than happy to use Ricky Seals Jones because he projected so well and he was such a good value. Uh, but I wanted to use him in lineups where I was contrarian elsewhere. And because I was playing guys like Kareem Hunt that were popular, I was playing, you know, Cooper cup. I was playing mm -hmm. Daryl Henderson, the number of lineups I had where I was willing to then go to, you know, Ricky Seals Jones at that ownership as well, just kind of ended up being lower than the field. Well, let's group it by your exposure then, because we've got you here. It's fun to chat about some of these, some of these situations and, and who you kind of ended up on the most. Uh, obviously, Kareem Hunt, fantastic play. Didn't work out for anybody involved. I was way over as well. So I feel the pain there as well. But Chuba Hubbard, 36.7%. I think that that was a really sharp play. 
Uh, I thought he was on his way to a big game, uh, kind of slowed down there for sure in the second half. I'm not, I'm not sure about this Carolina team, what we're going to be looking at. I mean, it's, it's, they came out of the gate really, really hot. This was such a good spot for them. And Hubbard, I thought could take up a lot of that fantasy usage um, for, for Carolina here. But what were you kind of thinking about with him? Uh, so, I mean, it wasn't like a spot that I felt strongly about. I was kind of surprised when I saw how much of him I was getting to, but I also didn't mind it. You know, you just had like that loaded 6k range. Um, and you know, you had him stepping into a, a bigger role without McCaffrey. He's been involved uh, in the passing game. Uh, he's been getting, you know, the bulk of the carries as well. So I uh, thought he was just, you know, a, a pretty good play at reasonable ownership, a little bit lower owned than most of the guys around him. Uh, I, I wasn't thrilled that I got as much of him as I did, but um, you know, thought, thought he was a good play. So not too upset with it. All right. And then uh, kind of just looking at the defenses too. So defenses are unfortunately a spot in fantasy football. Do you have a take on that? Do we need another flex spot for the NFL? Uh, another flex spot would be awesome. Like if I, so I wish NFL, fun. I wish NFL uh, had the same lineups as college football. Yeah. College football, super flex, uh, having two quarterbacks, the most important position on the field that you can kind of uh, mix and match and, and play. Super flex would be an absolute blast, especially some weeks uh, with running backs where it's like, is the super contrarian build to go, you know, like yesterday, if you have a million guys like Joe Mixon, obviously went off as well. And uh, Daryl Henderson, so many of these mid range plays, I just think it would be a really fun way to build lineups. They should at least give us a chance to try it out or do some kind of a, a test to be able to do that for like a small prize pool. They did it with kickers for God's sake over on, on FanDuel. So I, the least they can do is try the super flex out for us. Right. Yeah. It, it's just so much more fun. Like it adds so much more strategy. You get a, a, a second stack. Uh, you have some slates like in college football this week where you actually could just play four running backs uh, mm-hmm. and forego the, the second <laughs> quarterback, uh, which, you know, and, and be contrarian. Like there's, it just makes for more interesting decisions than uh, throw in a defense and hope they score a touchdown. Well, you had the Browns defense. You had the Lions defense. Those were basically at the 16% there was at the field, the Browns as well. I mean, that was kind of a surprising number to see on them for tournaments. I suppose what 12.5% ended up being the final ownership for them. You know, it, Punting defense, trying to get to like some of the chalkier defenses is never my favorite thing. But do you have any kind of an approach that you've been taking with that position? Because I just never really know what to do week in, week out. Yeah, I mean, typically I just want to get to low on defenses. Kind of surprised that I had as much uh, Cleveland and Detroit in tournaments as I did. But not surprised at all that I was overweight on the Chiefs. I was overweight on Washington. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those were both defenses that I thought made a lot of sense at low ownership. So uh, typically it's... You know, in, in cash, my approach with defenses is to just play the cheapest viable one that I can. I went with the Lions this week. I really wouldn't have hated even just going to Washington at 2K flat. Um, and then in tournaments, I just typically am going to try and embrace volatility, spend as little money as I can on the position typically, and then also just understand that uh, de- the only way defenses really separate themselves and become necessary to win a tournament are if they score touchdowns. And touchdowns mm-hmm. are just random basically so uh it's usually a spot where i'm just willing to i'm looking for cheap and i'm looking for low owned. yeah and i'm going through again if you look at rickety stuff here too uh good job there by jordan you're you're just on top of this this is super easy i was very nervous about how it was going to work when i'm not clicking the buttons on stuff yeah shake your head yeah me of little faith that's what it is i love it um but looking at like the chief's defense uh, some of these other spots, the Browns defense. I mean, it's just kind of fascinating. A guy like Rickety uh, didn't necessarily even have to have the nuts there because he was so overweight. 
to Kirk Cousins, to Adam Thielen in that spot where, you know, Adam Thielen, 32.8, and we'll get to the CD Lamb effect too. Have you ever seen a slate where there were that many unbelievable swings at the very, very end of a slate? I wasn't even paying attention at that point because oh, uh, good. I, my, my day was over. But um, yeah, I mean, just watching the, I, I didn't see overtime in that game, but the end of the fourth quarter was nuts. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't even, I, I saw people tweeting about the swings. Um, I didn't have any because I had already lost like all my money and it didn't matter. Your voice just started to go down there because you were not happy and it was fine. Uh, but yeah, no, Millie Makers were swung, CD Land, Dak Prescott, obviously a big part of that over there. We're not going to go through some of that because, again, it's a massive lottery in, in the Millie Maker, even though you were saying before the show, and I want to get your take on this as well, the Millie Maker might be one of the best tournaments to play because of the field, correct? Yeah, I mean, it's the softest. Um, and yeah. obviously, if you happen to win it, it's paying for itself for a very, 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 very long time. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it's, it, I think it is, you know, that was a popular talking point uh, from a podcast this week um, about, you know, the, the Millie maker versus the, sl- the slant was the talking point, like the field in the slant is so much sharper. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a smaller tournament, the payout structure in terms of min cash and all of that is better, but uh, you're, you're, you're playing a lot more difficult competition. So you're less likely to just like, you know, lose all of your money in the slant any given week. But um, the Millie maker, like, you, there, there's just so many dead lineups that, uh, you know, it's, it's a really weak field. All right. Well, before we get to some of the best plays of the slate, we'll look at the individual lineups themselves here from the slant for sure. But beforehand, Tony Porcelli there in the chat says, can't wait for NBA tomorrow, boys. My dude, we cannot wait either. And one of the best things that you can do to be prepared right now is to check out Osmo Plus tools and content for all of the DFS sports we have, including NBA coming back tomorrow, $29.95 for the weekly pass. So you get all the projections, you get the ownership projections, the premium Slack channel, lineup builder, and most importantly for me, the NBA Boom Puss tool, which I've used forever, and it is perhaps the best tool in the entire industry. You need to be utilizing that on a daily basis when it comes to NBA slates. I'm telling you, it will pay for itself immediately for you. Check it out, NFL Showdown, all caps, one word, that's NFL Showdown. Gets you 25% off your first week of Osmo Plus Platinum. You can activate it using the coupon in the video below. 29. Yeah, so NFL Strategy Show is the one. Oh, I apologize. Okay, I don't know. That must have been the wrong thing. I did not catch that. But NFL Strategy Show, all caps, one word. Thank you, Jordan Klein, for fixing that for me. Uh, check that out. $29.95, but you get 25% off using that promo code. So utilize it. It's a, up on the screen. NFL Strategy Show. So $3.95 if you want to check out uh, anything for NFL or NBA for, for some of those weekly passes. But I'm telling you ahead of time, that boom bust tool starting right out of the gate tomorrow will be the best weapon in your arsenal to be able to attack tournaments on slates. So looking forward to that. Hope you are too. And take advantage of that promo now. All right. We got next up here, some of the best plays that exist on the slate. I'm just going to group this by fantasy points. I kind of started referring to it a little bit. The CD Lamb catch that just blew up the slate a little bit there uh specifically in the millie less so here as rickety it didn't really have any impact there for him um i i don't believe so let me double check uh da, 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 da. yeah no he absolutely did not have him in that winning lineup so don't have to worry about it there but cd lamb cooper cup was somebody that uh out of everybody you had 28 percent. you were leading the way on the cooper cup bandwagon so talk to me about him he's just a monster and you know he yes. has a good quarterback now in Stafford he's heavily targeted every week um I, I've been playing him a lot unfortunately went Devontae Adams over him in cash games but uh 
yeah, I mean, it, I mean what, what can you do about that? I mean, that's right. Yeah, not not too upset about it, but yeah, I mean, very upset about it, but not <laughs> not upset with my decision. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Cobb's just been somebody that I roster a lot because he's on a good offense. He uh, is heavily targeted. He gets red zone targets. He's just really, really good. He's always open. He has a good quarterback. So uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much every week, just play Cooper Cup. Yeah. So there, there's are really good ideas. Jonathan Taylor as well, which if there's one player that kind of just shocked me as far as what everybody, the consensus about Jonathan Taylor, you know, uh, what that workload would look like um, up against Houston, but an absolute smash spot. Uh, what was kind of the concern there is it seems like the only person, uh, the guy who finished third had Jonathan Taylor there, but every single person here on the board, and, and obviously you guys are some of the sharpest players in the entire industry, no question about it. What was it that kind of made everybody so apprehensive to go to Jonathan Taylor at 19.3%? Yeah, I'm not really sure. Like this, that was actually one of the spots that I was most interested to look at today because um, I thought that maybe I had screwed something up when I saw how little Jonathan Taylor I had because it, it wasn't like a situation where I was expecting to single him out over the field, but it was clearly a good spot against Houston. And I didn't think he was like mm-hmm. drastically overowned or anything like that. So I was kind of surprised I didn't have more of him. Uh, and then I thought it was really interesting that like pretty much everyone else that I look at was under the field as well. So I'm not sure exactly what it was in his numbers that, you know, moved everyone under on him. Um, but I, I do think it's interesting that pretty much everyone that like did, did the same thing there. Uh, yeah. it, it certainly, th- that was a very loaded position and price point. So I actually expected it to be, you know, like some of the 150 maxers that I look at had a lot of Jonathan Taylor, some were more like me. Uh, so it is kind of weird to me that everybody pretty much was just not playing him. Yeah. And it's, it's also interesting. I mean, his ownership was projected a little bit lower. I think he was down in like the 13% range. It's not like I got to much more than that. I think there, there were so many running backs. I was just kind of crunching over and over. I was getting like 17%, 16%, Daryl Henderson, Joe Mixon, all of those guys kind of in that mid range. And, yeah, it's weird that Jonathan Taylor ended up being a guy that didn't kind of show up for anybody. Um, 6,600, maybe it was just kind of no man's land when you have Kareem Hunt absorbing so much of the position at 6,200. Uh, maybe it just kind of was more difficult to find builds for the 400. But either way, uh, I think, I, I don't know what we can really call going through some of these recaps is like a mistake. It can be after the fact, but I think under 20% Jonathan Taylor against Houston Uh, That would be a spot that if you played this slate over again, that's something you would easily want to be over on, right? Maybe. Maybe. Not really. I mean, it's still, I mean, it's still the same thing. Like you still have Joe Mixon. You still had DeAndre Swift. You still had Hunt, like you said, taking up a ton of of your exposure. You still had the cheap guys, you know, Daryl Williams and uh, Herbert. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of looking at my exposures with the exception of Hubbard. I just pretty much ended up underweight. Uh, I was overweight on Swift. I was over on Hubbard. And then I kind of just ended up under on like the rest of the 6K running backs, which I don't, it's, it's just another one. It's like, I don't think it was necessarily wrong. I don't think it was right. It was just kind of, that's how it shook out for me. And I don't really feel strongly about it one way or the other. Uh, but I think a lot of it does come back to Kareem Hunt. Like if mm-hmm. I had gone in saying, you know, okay, well, I'm not going to play Kareem Hunt, or I'm going to be light on Kareem, Kareem Hunt, then it's going to put me in a situation where I can just get a lot of these other guys. Okay. And it's, it's just in tournaments as well. Yeah. You're, you're trying to figure out what needs to happen with that one specific player. And it affects so much stuff in your lineups. But I, I think going over on Kareem Hunt, I, I would have never changed what I was doing in that regard. I don't think you would either. Um, so yeah, Jonathan Taylor though, being lighter, Going through, yeah, it would be something I'd probably have a mental note where 
in the future, uh, that'd be a spot to make sure you do not come in underneath. We also saw him just go completely nuts on Monday night. And maybe, maybe there was part of it where we expected that ownership to get up around 20%. Maybe that was high, but uh, yeah, what a great outing by him once again. So that's somebody to keep an eye on. Not that he's ever going to go underneath the radar completely, but let's take only, a look uh, at the Oh, go ahead. No, he, he only had two first half carries too. I know. I saw that. It was absurd. Two. Yeah. When, like when I saw that, I was like, oh, I'm going to get lucky on not having Jonathan Taylor. Um, <laughs> oh, then the second half of football started. Right. Yeah. Oh, God. I tell you what. Sometimes NFL, you feel so, so good. I felt really, really good after Khalil Herbert got in the, bo- in the box. And I know the boss man did as well, considering grouping by his exposures, 44.7% Khalil Herbert. We haven't really talked about him. I thought he was a really fascinating play. He was kind of all the way down there at the bottom at 4,600 coming off a game where he had tons and tons of carries. You were about at the field. I think that that makes a lot of sense here in this spot. Osmo just really took the overweight approach. He's a homer, I suppose. There might, there might be an element there too. Uh, not that you want to do that with thousands of dollars and be a homo. Or, whoa. Be, uh, you know what I mean. Be a, a homer. I don't know why it came out that way. I apologize to everybody involved. We're going to continue on. Uh, a homer is what we are looking at here for Awesome out here. Khalil Herbert, 44.7%. What'd you think about that play? I thought it was a good play. I mean, it's kind of just similar. You can't to keep like, a straight face right now. Yeah. Uh, You're just like, oh man, pause, pause. There it is. Everybody caught up. That was great. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it was just, it was another really good running back play. I mean, you had, he was a really, really good value. The chances of him breaking the slate in terms of overall score was pretty low, but he was such a good value and he lets you get up to, you know, good receivers, good quarterbacks. Uh, and then, you know, he's still a, he's still the, the, you know, worker work horse there. You expect him to get goal line carries. He's going to be targeted out of the backfield. So again, a really, really good play. I think that Alex was able to get a bit more of him since Alex was also lower on cream hunt. So that kind of goes back to what I was talking about with hunt sort of determining what else you could do at running back, because there were so many options that, you know, if, if like Alex did, you're only playing 40% hunt, it's going to make it easier to be overweight on a couple of those guys. Whereas if you're jamming hunt in almost every lineup, you're going to naturally be lower on, on most guys. Oh man. Yeah. Dave Chappelle. There I am. Uh, awesome. Thank you so much, Loco. Good to see everybody. I woke everybody up. If nothing else, I was going to say we were kind of going on by, we were just la da 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 having a great morning. And then, yeah, anyway, enjoyed it. Uh, good times. What a Freudian slip. Good times. All right, let's go to, I said that twice as well there for Jordan. Uh, let's finish out with looking at these lineups specifically that kind of finished near the top. Look at some of the overall construction. We have Rickety up there, Kirk Cousins, Jonathan Taylor, Daryl Henderson, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne at 1.1% with the home run overtime. Two overtime catches for touchdowns to win games that did a lot to impact tournaments here. Travis Kelsey, Joe Mixon there in the flex, and then the Colts defense. Anything that really stands out to you with that lineup? No, I mean, it's a solid lineup. It all makes sense. And, you know, you would obviously expect that from him. He's a, a good player. Uh, but, yeah, it, it I think it reinforces that, you know, we, we talk about it a lot, but looking at individual players' ownership and just saying, you know, I, I want to fade him, I want to play him, whatever, is not the best approach because – it all matters in your lineup. He had a very chalky lineup outside of the Minnesota stack. And once you have that Minnesota stack where Cousins is 1% owned, Thielen's 4%, Osborne's 1%, once that's your stack, there's no real reason to be saying, oh, well, I need a contrarian tight end and I need a contrarian, you know, 
running back and all of that. Uh, you can just kind of play whatever you want around it because if those guys go off, you have such little competition, you know, that, that you should just have the best plays around them. So that's the, you know, I think big takeaway. It's just a really, really well-constructed lineup. Uh, he also has some secondary uh, correlation as well. You have Daryl Henderson and Sterling Shepard. That makes sense. Uh, you know, obviously the same game. So there's, there's correlation there. So um, it, uh, he had the, you know, the Jonathan Taylor plus Colts too, which uh, that's not the, the defense with running back. I don't think is like, it's not something I care about. Um, I don't know whether or not it's something he always does, but uh, that is something that, you know, at least has a little bit of a, a positive correlation as well. Uh, just really, really good lineup. We're getting super chats to cancel me. So that's exciting. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Scarecrow 06. Thank you, my dude, so much. Uh, I'm an absolute homer for Osimo. I will say that uh, big time. <laughs> Wowzer. And that escalated quickly. Uh, that's that's enjoyable. That's an enjoyable morning we have going. Uh, let's talk about our sponsor, NHA. Thank you so much to No House Advantage for sponsoring this show that is officially off the rails completely. But if you haven't had a chance to play over there, they have so many different contests, NBA, MLB, NFL, PGA, NBA coming back tomorrow. I cannot wait. It's 100% peer-to-peer. It helps level the playing field because as opposed to traditional DFS sites, you're able to go in and you're able to just simply play props. We are looking at the largest provider of props that exists, over 500 of them on a daily basis. Use that promo code AWESOMO to get $25 for a deposit bonus right now. And again, you have the opportunity to go in for something like this Monday night showdown and be able to find some plays. You know what? Let's kind of do this on the fly. I'm looking over here at No House Advantage. We have projections set up for them on the daily. They've got a 2K to first 5K Monday night football showdown. I'm looking at a couple of these plays. Stefan Diggs is somebody that in this spot against this Tennessee secondary, you have 85 and a half receiving yards. If you like that, if you think he's going to go over, you can play him in a confidence slot seven through one be able to play those lineups together and win cash prizes. It's really simple. It's really enjoyable. So check that out as well. Is there any kind of a lean you have here for this Monday night football game? Have you looked at anything for it? Uh, what the bills and the, the Titans, uh, the bills and Titans. Yeah, no, I'm putting you on the no spot. Idea. I'm trying to deflect. Don't mind me. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I absolutely no idea. <laughs> okay. I, I won't even, I'm going to the Red Sox game tonight, so I won't even be paying attention to it. Oh, are you, are you going to play though? probably not i probably get into boston at like six i assume i'm gonna have to just go like straight from the hotel to the game all right well check out nha it's super simple super fun to play thank you so much to them for their sponsorship i think you guys will really really enjoy playing over there all right let's kind of round this thing out we've got uh what are we finishing out with i don't even know check the wing lines we did that we have to find bad lineups all right that was kind of the last portion of this program I went down to the bottom. I was trying to scrape together somebody that might be like one of the worst lineups, but I think it's kind of fascinating looking at a guy like Rickety who just had the massive day that he did. And you can look at all of his lineups. So let's open up all of his because he had some lineups on this bottom end that uh, weren't ideal. He had a lineup that was under a hundred points. And we're talking about a guy who just took down a GPP and absolutely smashed, but 93.4 fantasy points here for a score. Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Jamal or uh, yeah, it's Jamal Williams. 1.9 out of him. Good, 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 good work, buddy. Kareem Hunt there, 10.8. Darnell Mooney. Uh, that's that's the best performer of the lineup. Devonte Adams. What tournament are we in? Oh, I'm in the slant. So am I, but I don't see this lineup. Oh, it's all the way at the bottom. It is. It's like oh, yeah, no, I see. I, I see it now. I sorted wrong. 
93.4. I'm going through it because again, out of 150 lineups, you're going to have some bad ones. But Devontae Adams, 12.9. Tyreek Hill, 22.6. That's a nice outing. Robert Tunyon with his three. Well done by him. Randall Cobb did not get targeted. That's a problem. Zero points there. And the Lions, uh, 2,100 there. Three points for them. All grand total of 93.4. That is a low, low number. Uh, not the best outing uh, for that one. But who cares when you win $27,000 in the total tournament? Yeah, and I mean, the big thing, it, it, still a very well-constructed lineup. You know, yeah, it ended up sucking, but uh, you have, the def- again, the defense with running back pairing. Uh, he used that. You have the two wide receivers with Rodgers. You have Mooney going up against them. Um, you know, you have a, a Chiefs one-off, which you know, made a lot of sense. One thing that I think is interesting, too, looking at the ownership here, and again, this goes back to what we were talking about with uh, your lineup as a whole, he had – a low owned, relatively low owned stack, you know, Rogers and Tunyon were very low owned. Adams wasn't, but the other players in this lineup, not quite as popular, you know, used a 1% owned Jonathan Williams, 6% owned Darnell Mooney. Uh, but you have Kareem hunt in there. So when you have a 40% owned guy in your lineup, uh, that's just a ton of ownership going to that one spot. It's going to make it. So uh, you have kind of a few more contrarian plays typically, whereas in his lineup that won outside of the stack, it was very chalky, but you also didn't have the 40% on guy. And once you don't have that guy, uh, you, you know, again, you just don't need to make as many big stands because you're just saying, you know, if Hunt doesn't do well, then half the field's dead already. So um, just another, you know, really well-constructed lineup. I think that's the big takeaway here. Uh, it's not about, you know, who does well or doesn't do well any given game. It's just making as many good lineups as you can. Absolutely agreed with that for sure. Um, Devonte Adams, I guess we can kind of talk about him here too, for a second too. You said that you played him in cash. I think that that makes a ton of sense to play him in cash. And then he was only 16% in the slant, which is kind of surprising to me because we've seen in previous weeks, we had Derek Henry and you had to make a decision between him and Adams, or you were able to play both because of a, a lot of presenting value. What was it that you think kept his ownership so low? Cause 16% for Devonte Adams, I will say is super, super shocking. And you had to feel really good having over the field of that number. Yeah. I, like, I didn't think it was a great matchup. Um, the game didn't have a high total, you know, it was in Chicago, all of that, but it, it's still Devonte Adams. I thought it was relatively easy to get to him given all of the inexpensive running backs that you could use. Uh, he's just got a massive ceiling. He typically has a high floor only was targeted. I think five times still almost salvaged. I'm not sure if you saw it, but um, his final catch, he, it was like a 40 yard completion, but he actually it was a 60 yard touchdown at first, uh, but he stepped out of bounds at the 20. Oh, uh, so, man. you know, almost salvaged anyway, but you know, it's just one of those, yeah, it didn't work out, but I'm certainly not upset that I was over the field on Devonte Adams. Like there's certainly more questionable plays I made than that one. <laughs> yeah. There's a little bit of that. Um, but also that's kind of the way that it is for every single NFL Sunday going through it. Is there anybody else that really stuck out to you on this slate as either a performer that did really, really well or somebody that did really, really poorly that you were kind of expecting more out of? Um, not, I mean, Lamar Jackson, I think, I guess is, yeah. is one. Uh, he disappointed. And especially when you consider how many points the Ravens scored, uh, if you like, if you know going in that the Ravens are going to have that type of game, you're going to assume Lamar Jackson is just phenomenal. Uh, you know, disappointing game for him. I think that that's, there's not a whole lot to take away from that though. I mean, it was a game where they had a lead the entire game. Uh, you kind of expected that the Chargers were going to make it a high-scoring competitive game. They didn't. Uh, you also just, in the red zone, had a lot of rushing touchdowns. Uh, you had 
he, uh, Jackson missed a wide open Mark Andrews for a touchdown. I don't remember if it was the same drive or not, but also uh, missed an open Hollywood Brown. Brown had to go off his fingertips. So, you know, certainly could have had more fantasy points anyway. And then I think also just sort of got unlucky in how the Ravens points were scored and also the fact that the Chargers couldn't score points of their own. So um, it's another one of the spots where I'd go right back to it, even though it didn't work out. Somebody put Herbert QB in there. Uh, yeah, that would definitely be one of the things that annihilated me as well as I really did like that game. I had a lot of Lamar Jackson and on the other side, had a lot of Justin Herbert playing with Keenan Allen, playing with uh, Mike Williams. And I got to say, that's uh, that's one of the weirder outcomes that I've seen out of the NFL this entire season. I'm really bullish on the Chargers, but I, I don't even know what to think off Sunday. Do you just kind of write that off for them? Yeah, like I still... I kind of thought it was funny because, you know, like all season long, it's sort of been like, are there any actual good teams in the NFL? And the Chargers were like one of the teams that I felt pretty confident saying like, yeah, they're really good. And then they just came out and looked awful. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think you just write it off. There's not a whole lot to take away from it. Like you're still going to, you're still going to expect Justin Herbert to be very good next week. You're going to expect Keenan Allen and Mike Williams to bounce back. Uh, so yeah, I think you just kind of write it off. All right. Well, before we get finished up here, you guys need to check out some of the NHL NHL content. Oh man, just watching everything I say here at the moment. NHL. I'm enjoying that very much. It's great. And if you haven't had a chance to play it yet, now is the time because if you use the promo code crosscheck, all caps one word, it is the last day for a $3 promotion code using that. That's 75% off your first week of Osmo plus NHL. Jake Hari, all the guys behind the scenes doing a great job with the projections, the ownership projections, stacks, lineup builder, premium Slack. It is fantastic. I guess premium Discord here at this point. Uh, so that's going to be a really nice switch. If you guys haven't had the ability to do that yet, and you are a member of Osmo Plus, I know we got Loco who can help out with that as well. Um, but I'm, I'm very much looking forward to playing some NHL this season. I'm going to kind of be prioritizing it a little bit more than I did even last year and had a pretty good NHL season, and it's just because of the tools. And if you wanted to see what they are capable of doing, that $3 NHL weekly pass is the way to do it. Promo code CROSSCHECK, check it out. All right, we're kind of finishing it out here. We got really, we, we've kind of done a pretty good job, I think, of encompassing this entire slate. We talked about Rickety's lineups and, and just kind of taking some larger stands. Um, not really a ton of 150 maxers in other tournaments, specifically in the Millie, but looking at this slant, is there anything else as we're kind of rounding out that you can kind of finish with? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really think so. Like, I think we touched on <laughs> all of it. Okay, well, then that's a lovely way to kind of segue towards the ending of this. Um, I, I absolutely love doing this show with you guys. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting a little bit more familiar with being able to kind of go through some of these. Again, you want to be recapping these lineups immediately after the fact. Find the uh, find kind of what it is that were mistakes, uh, what you kind of find to be things that you were just fine with going down with the ship. I guess one question on the way out, I suppose we get, what, five more minutes here if we if we really want to. But Travis Kelsey... 26.6% for him. You were under the field. A lot of guys over the field. When you have somebody at 7K that's just out projecting the position by so much, what are kind of your thought processes and being able to like going forward on some of these slates where he exists, Mark Andrews exists. What do you kind of do at a, at a specific position like tight end? Do you prioritize these guys generally? Or, you know, on these bottom end guys, we've talked about you being lower on the likes of Ricky Seals Jones. Is there kind of a, tri a tried and true strategy you have for that position specifically? Um, it, it's just like, it's not even really an intentional thing for me. It's just kind of, uh, the way it shakes out a lot. You know, obviously I thought Kelsey was a good play. Just like I thought Seals Jones was a good play, but like you, you end up 
it, it, a lot of it ends up being determined by what you're doing with other spots. Like I played a lot of Mark Andrews. Um, I had 25% Andrews because I was using a lot of Lamar Jackson. So um, once I'm playing a lot of Andrews, it's going to make it more difficult for me to play a lot of Kelsey. Uh, I also didn't have a lot of Mahomes, So, you know, that drove Kelsey down a little bit as well. Uh, it, it's, it's so, yeah, like it's not an intentional thing. It's just more so um, I'm typically only playing one tight end. You know, like, yeah, you can play double tight end lineups using Kelsey. I don't have any issue with that, but uh, typically I'm going to have one tight end. So, you know, when you compare it to like running back, where you're using two or three wide receiver, we're using three or four. Uh, you're just not gonna, it, it's more difficult to just like be overweight on every player that you like. Love it. Uh, Adam, this is so much fun. Uh, you're, you're awesome. Uh, I'm a homer for you for sure. Uh, you're, you're as good as it gets. I, I completely appreciate everything that you're able to do to be able to recap this stuff. I enjoyed it as well. If you guys like our content over here, we have a ton coming down the pipeline, especially with NBA coming back tomorrow. But today, right up next uh, at 10 o'clock, I believe out here on the West Coast, 1 p.m., uh, starting out there on the East Coast, the Osmo Betting Show. That's Aton and Ben. We have the NHL Strategy Show after that, Jake and Josh. We've got the Osmo Fantasy Football Show, Aton, Lafayette, and Ben. Oh my gosh, keep on going. I'm doing a Yahoo Live show at 12 o'clock out here on the West Coast, 3 o'clock out there with Pete. Then we've got, of course, the MLB Strategy Show, Terry and Gundacker. Gundecker coming back here, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Then Lofi Savoka getting it started for the NFL Deeper Dive. And then I'll be on live before lock. Looking forward to that at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. He's Adam Sherry. He's the man. I'm Eric Lindquist. I'm going to go take a nap. We'll see you later. 